What's up, everybody? Welcome to Draft Chaff. This is episode number 84. I'm one of your hosts. My name is Zach. And joining me, as per usual, Ben Fisher. How's it going, dude? Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. I'm going to stop. Okay, okay. I'm not going to sing a whole song. Save that. that that's more of a sign-off type thing. Uh, and we've got a busy show today. So uh, for we? those that didn't know. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. For those that didn't know. Today's episode is, well, actually, when I say those that didn't know, Zach is included because I haven't told him a single thing about what we're doing today. <laughs> yeah, so to be to be quite transparent with you all, typically, we schedule out our episodes a few weeks in advance or sometimes a quarter of the year in advance, and we recently did that, and Ben just decided we're blanking today's episode. He's got something <laughs> else in mind, and I'm not allowed to see the show notes for it, so I don't know what's happening. Well, we had a whole topic that was planned out, but we'll save that for another time. If you haven't figured out, yesterday was Zach's birthday. So uh, happy birthday to one half of the Draft Draft podcast. And, well, uh, I think we should just go through the normal show stuff and you'll see what uh, <laughs> you'll see what comes of it. All right. Well, I guess before we get into whatever shenanigans Ben has planned, we do have some housekeeping as per usual. Check out the Discord if you're not already in it. The link to that is in the episode description as well as on our Twitter page. It's the best place to go to communicate with us outside of the show i mean we can't really talk to you or talk with you in when we're doing the show so definitely check out the discord so we can keep up to date with all of you listeners and um also so you can provide some feedback and just jump into any of the chats that we have about different formats and what's the picks and all that kind of stuff it's it's a great place to be with an awesome community and we'd love to have you there if you're interested in supporting the show directly, you can do so on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash draftchaffpod. We've got a handful of different tiers over there, including perks like our Draft Doctor series, where we take one of your drafts and walk through it step by step as we would any other draft, as well as things like stickers, show notes, unedited versions of the show with pre-show and post-show banter and things of that nature. So check that out. I'm doing this all off the cuff because Ben won't let me see the show notes, so... I think that it. I think that was it. No, that that was pretty good. Uh, if you sub to the Patreon this month, your your donation will happen to go towards a big slice of cake for Zach. Probably, <laughs> <laughs> or or maybe not. Maybe not. Yeah, we'll see. So uh, let's start off with a crack a draft type thing. This is actually a pack one pick one, but it's it's not your average pack one pick one. You might notice a resounding theme, and Zach, by the end, you should have hopefully guessed it. Uh, let's start off with our with our pack one pick one. I'm just gonna read through some of the, the stuff in this pack. We start off with cryptic command. What, what do you think of that? Yep, slam windmill slam. We're done here. Well, uh, <laughs> I hate to tell you, but th- there's a few other cards in this pack that might might uh, suit your fancy as well. Uh, next up, Divination. Big fan of Divination, but I think I'm still on Cryptic. Yeah, that's true. Cryptic is kind of a... Well, they're both two-for-ones, right? But, uh, I mean... Yeah, but uh, one of them says I get to counter my opponent's stuff and the other doesn't. I'd like to be able to draw cards and counter things if I can, so... Fair enough. Next up is Three Fairy. It's a Fairy Time Raveler. Now, this isn't the Arena Modified one, which I think now costs four and has had its starting loyalty bumped to five. This is the OG. This is the three-mana one, uh, and it costs one white-blue. It has four loyalty. Thoughts on this guy? Yeah, so this is a great card because it tells all my opponents they can't cast instant speed spells, and that's where I like to be. I want I want to be playing Magic, and I don't want my opponents to, and uh, I do like this card quite a bit. Now, between this and Cryptic, I feel like I get more of a groan test out of the three fairy from my opponent than Cryptic Command, and Cryptic Command has a s- strong place in my heart just from like the history of the game and how long Cryptic Command was just an amazing card. So I think I would take Cryptic Command purely on nostalgia here, but I think Three Fairy might be the correct pick. Also, I don't want to be locked into two colors in the first pick of the draft. I don't know what format we're playing mm. here, but I, I have a uh, guess. <laughs> the format is ambiguous. 
Next up, uh, we've got Counterspell. Blue, blue, counter target spell. Really difficult to beat this card. Um, it is pretty much the epitome of what I aim to do in Magic. But again, Cryptic Command gives me options, and one of those options is counter target spell, so I'm going to I'm gonna go with the Cryptic Command here. Mm-hmm. Can I tempt you with an Approach of the Second Sun? Ooh, Approach is my favorite alternate win con in the game, so that is definitely tempting. Mm-hmm. And it's it's one of those wacky ones where it's really hard to make work, and there isn't a whole lot else like it in the game. In terms of actual like winning games, again, I think Cryptic's going to beat it out because it's really hard to put this together. It's also a seven mana spell, which makes it very difficult to cast, and it you know you really need to build around your deck making this work. But it's a pretty awesome card. Speaking of seven mana things that win the game, how about Cyclonic Rift, our next card? Okay, yeah, I'm I'm moving off the Cryptic Command. I'm going to take the Cyclonic Rift here. <laughs> Rift is yeah, just ridiculous. Uh, it's just way too good. Yep, yep. Now, uh, this is a bit of a throwback, but we're going to try to branch out a little bit here. It's going to be tough to get you off Cyclonic Rift now, but can I interest you in a Krenko mob boss? Wow, okay, we're color shifted. <laughs> Krenko is one of my favorite commanders and a great token generator. But you know what beats Krenko pretty much every time? Oh. Cyclonic Rift. <laughs> okay, okay. Perhaps a card that combos with Cyclonic Rift, uh, Torrential Gearhulk. Gearhulk is also quite good. I have had some bad experiences with, with the old Torrential Gearhulk recently in the most recent iteration of Arena Cube where yeah. I just didn't have enough targets for it, and it was basically just a big, beefy 6-6. Six, six. I think I'll stick with the Cyclonic Rift. Fair enough. Uh, don't worry, I, I have a plenty more tempting options here. How about a Rattle Chains? Ooh, so I am a Spirits player in Modern, for those that don't know, and Rattle Chains is pretty significantly a linchpin in that deck, giving all of your Spirits flash. That's pretty good. I mean, again, I would kind of need to know the format. If this is a format where the building like an actual tempo-aggressive control... Uh, Spirits deck was a real thing, you'd have to pick up Rattle Chains as soon as you saw one because it really does make the deck work. Not knowing that I can put the Spirits deck together, I'd probably just stick to the Cyclonic Rift. It feels a little safer without knowing the format, but yeah, that's 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 close. Mm-hmm. Next up out of the pack, we've got Atraxa Praetor's Voice. Wow, I'm surprised you could even say that without gagging. <laughs> it was tough. Uh, I don't like looking at it, so let's get this one over with. Atraxa is also one of my favorite commanders, and particularly because... and, and I don't know that I've said this too many times on the show, but every commander deck I build has an has a nod or an homage to Ben in some way, shape, or form, just for funsies. And mm-hmm. um, Atraxa's nod to Ben is that, well, look at it. It's an angel horror, just an uh, abomination yep. before everyone. Disgusting. Yep. So we, we like that. And it's like Phyrexian and stuff, and Ben hates the Phyrexians, so. Yeah, it's... Ugh. Uh, but still, still got to stick. I mean, it's four colors. It's going to be really difficult to cast. And I don't know if there's any fixing in this format. Going to have to stick to the Cyclonic Rift here. Uh, next up out of the pack, Assault Formation. Assault Formation is also a favorite of mine. This is going to be a difficult one to pick, though, because, again, don't know the format. Difficult to um, make a deck that relies on this card and have it work well. Typically, decks that rely on this card, you need multiple copies of it. And you need to be able to find the copies of it or your deck just doesn't really do anything. But my first standard deck ever made was uh, was an Assault Formation deck. And I built it myself, no net decking involved. And it did all right, actually. I was, I was pretty pleased with it. I remember back in uh, in high school, the uh, 
the, the old uh, logic slash AP stats class where we would spend a non-zero amount of time just playing Magic instead, uh, which actually was what reminded me of this next card in the pack, Vexing Devil. One mana, 4-3. It's a devil. It costs just one red. So when it enters the battlefield, any opponent may have it deal four damage to them. If a player does, sacrifice it. Yeah, it's just a really aggressive creature that either sticks around or it hits you for four. Yeah, I have memories of you playing this against me in those classes and me just being like, I don't know. <laughs> I, I have no idea. What do I do? And eventually I learned that you're supposed to just take the damage, but, you know, not, not back then. A few more cards in this pack. We got a Spell Queller up next. Okay, so Spirits is looking like a deck that could be put together. If I saw the Spell Queller next to the Rattle Chains, I think I'd move to the Rattle Chains and hope to wield the Queller. Maybe nobody else is playing blue-white and I can kind of cut blue early for that deck. Both of those cards are cards you really want in that deck. And But like I said, the Rattle Chains is really more of a linchpin. So this is making me think that we're going to be able to see it. And uh, maybe I'd be moving on to the Rattle Chains. Two cards left in this pack, but I don't know. That, that, that saved some of the best for last. Sphinx's Tutelage is, oh uh, is next up here. Sphinx's Tutelage is another favorite of mine. I have a weird f weird set of favorites for like janky enchantments that don't actually do things. Um, <laughs> Clearly. But uh, well, one it of does something. It does it does something when it's when it's used right. Yeah. Inspired by even Flox Pro Tour winning blue white uh, control deck that had basically no win conditions. I tweaked it a little bit and built a standard deck at the time that basically just used a bunch of draw cards, like Sphinx's Revelation, to draw a bunch of cards, gain a bunch of life, lock my opponent down with counter spells and things, and then just slam some Sphinx's Tutelages and wait for them to mill themselves out. That was the only win condition in the deck, minus a single copy of uh, Elspeth Sun's Champion in the sideboard, and I loved that deck. I called it Sphinx Control, and... Yeah, that's a good one. Again, I mean, we've seen Teferi's Tutelage do really well in formats that were sort of built to support it. So given this is like, this pack alone is giving me the vibe that whatever we're playing, maybe it's like a Zach Hackett cube. And hey, we got there. it's just like every <laughs> single card that I've ever loved. In which case, this card is probably very well supported and uh, it would be really fun. Well, uh, you actually already said the last card in the pack and it's Sphinx's Revelation. Yeah, I have to take that. I, I literally am unable yeah. to pass it. I knew I'd save the best for last. I, I have you pegged. Uh, and as did you correctly figure out the uh, the cube here. Yeah, a pretty good, a pretty solid pack one pick one to take a Sphinx's Rev. But uh, I don't know. Out of this pack, I'm probably on just, just Cryptic, you know, personally. Cryptic's actually, no, good. I... Let's just—I'd probably go with the Krenko. Who am I kidding? It's uh, that's fun. That's that's nonsense. If anybody had any questions about what colors I like to play, that pack pretty much sums <laughs> it up. It's pretty much entirely blue, a bit of white thrown in there, and even less red. Pretty much nothing yeah. else. A single green card, and it's a butts card. So I guess yeah. that also tells you where priorities lie. <laughs> anyway, let's let's hit up some Teferi and Tibble. What do you got going on this week besides the obvious? Well, yeah, I mean, the birthday thing was cool. I had a steak for the first time in a really long time, and I was thrilled. My taste buds were like, bruh, this this is, you shouldn't have let us forget what this tastes like, so <laughs> very pleasant. Um, and then I saw Spider-Man, which was also very cool, and big fan of the movie. I'm not going to go into anything about it to avoid spoilers and such, but uh, it was really good. Big fan, big fan. And then uh, I had my annual review this week for my, my first full year at the company that I work for, and it went really well. I got a lot of praise that I wasn't expecting. So that was really Ooh. cool. Not that I was expecting not to get praise, but like there was a lot of specific praise that I wasn't expecting, which was really cool. It made me because I work with a lot of really, really, really smart people and imposter syndrome is a real problem. So it was really nice to get that feedback. Yeah. The uh, the best kind of feedback is that like 
specific targeted compliments from like someone that actually understands the the minutia of your your technical skills in, in certain ways that that's always good stuff yeah for sure it, it did it felt really good uh tybalt yeah i don't i don't really know um it's been it's been a pretty solid week i guess good stuff that, that's what we like to hear my teferi i got to play a little bit of quote-unquote double feature my buddy Matt that I haven't seen in a long time. Shout out to Matt. I know you're listening, dude. Uh, how's it going? What's up? He hung out with me on on uh, on Friday. We got to play a little bit of kinda double feature. I the actual packs aren't out yet, but instead we just bought three packs of each of the sets and uh, made some sealed decks from them. Uh, I just so happened to open Halana and Elena because you know <laughs> that's just what happens to me these days. I just can't stop opening Halana and Elena, and I'm just gonna keep playing it. I, I had this really, really tight, uh, low to the ground, aggressive red green deck. It had like Falconrath Pit Fighter, the the one mana two one, and then a bunch of other red one drops. Uh, it curved out at four. It, it was just super. Like Halana Elena was the top end. It was just really aggressive. It was a, a pretty good time. And yeah, so that was good. We got to watch some some random indie films, which rose not indie. They're they're like you know famous big budget films, but ones that uh. I don't know. They, they kind of have that uh, mind warping vibe, like Phantom Thread and that kind of. Stuff? Oh, okay. Yeah, I, similar. It, I wouldn't put them with like actually Mulholland Drive. We watched, which is a uh, David Lynch, which is also just like if you want ever if you want to give yourself a headache uh, and then a nightmare, just watch a David Lynch movie. That that's a great time. But anyway, so that was uh, that was good. I finally finished my modern deck. I had the last tokens that I needed arrived in the mail just today, so. Uh, I think some modern might be happening on the Discord, which would be very cool. And uh, I'm hoping for a snow day. We have a large storm coming in. Actually, uh, about the time of this episode release, uh, there's supposed to be a big nor'easter coming towards us. So I'm praying that it comes on Friday. I I actually had zero idea that was coming our way. So that's good to know. (laughs) Oh, dude, South Jersey's supposed to get like a foot again. Nice. uh, Yeah, I don't know what we're going to get up here. Tybalt. It's the end of the marking period. It's kind of crunch time on grading. And this is uh, my my least favorite responsibility as a teacher. When students come to me and they're like, how do I pass the, the marking period? And I'm like, I want to help you pass, but you have actively skipped class like all semester. I really can't. Like, you got to be here and, and awake to, for me to help you well, because now I got to reteach the, the whole thing. I spent my whole lunch today reteaching the last like two weeks to, to some students like I'll do it. But, you know. It's a it's a sacrifice that I'd rather not have to make. That's fair, but hey, I, I think a lot of teachers probably wouldn't. So good on you for still sticking by your students. Yeah, thanks. It's uh, you know end of the marking period. It's coming and going. Uh, we're gonna skip the listener question of the week because we actually have plenty of questions coming up. The main uh-huh. topic today, as the listener has already found, is the roast of Zach. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> So in honor of Zach's birthday, I thought it'd be good to really dive in, to, to get to know our co-host here. And uh, because I obviously know Zach really well, but let's 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 pick your brain. Let's let's get inside your head uh, and kind of flip the script. We've had interviews with all sorts of fascinating people on this show already. So why not a boring one? <laughs> <laughs> hey, you said it, not me. <laughs> All right, all right, but let's let's just kick it off, right? What was your first experience with Magic the Gathering? First experience with Magic the Gathering. The first one I remember <laughs> is uh, there was a game store I used to play this game called Star Wars Miniatures at, and it, that was actually at the time that was a Wizards of the Coast game as well, and it was essentially like Star Wars meets chess, 
where you had like characters from different sets and they would release sets in like these booster packs and you had miniatures like physical uh, uh miniature figures that also had a stat card associated with them and then you'd put them on boards and you'd build teams out of them and and basically fight other teams and it was one of the most interesting games i've ever played i am really sad that it's not still a game that really can be played um watsy sold it to or sold the rights to the game to fantasy flight games and they turned it into what is today x-wing um which i think is fairly similar in terms of gameplay i haven't actually played it myself but x-wing is all ships and uh, star wars miniatures was all sorts of stuff you had ships plus just like random characters anyway it's a very long-winded way to say that the guy who ran the store that i played at was a big magic person and eventually somehow through him i got into it and then at the time, I was babysitting this kid on my street who, dude, one of the best gigs I've ever had. He basically just watched me play RuneScape all, all day. Um, <laughs> but That's I eventually got him into Magic, and then we would, like, play around with, these, like, with different random decks and starter packs and all that kind of stuff. So Good stuff. What was your first favorite Magic card? First favorite Magic card was Invader Parasite, and that is a card from New Phyrexia that I believe cost one red red or one Phyrexian red, Phyrexian red. And it was like a 1-1 one, one or a 2-2 two, two or something. And when you, yeah, play yeah. It, when you played it, your opponent exiled, you exiled an opponent's land. And then every time they they played a land of, of the same name, I think, they took like one or two points of damage. Yeah, very, very close. Three red, red for a 3-2. Enters the battlefield, exile target lands. Whenever a land with the same name as the exiled card enters the battlefield under opponent's control, it deals two to them. Yeah, That's so I cool thought card. I thought it was like the best card ever printed because I was like, oh, you just exile one of their basics. And then now every time they play a basic land, they're getting shocked, which sounds cool. But like if you don't do this early enough, they just stop playing lands. And oh. like, I don't know, it feels yeah. just like it's not actually that good. Hmm. But I bought a playset of it in like holograph, like foiled and everything and i was like super excited to have it and then i never did anything with them i they were sitting in a binder for ages but do you still have them i might actually because doesn't this just go into the draft draft cube it's a, a like an off theme flicker target i guess yeah etb exile land is one of our flicker payoffs do we have oh, a ponza man. subtype we we originally did and then we we got rid of it because we were like there's just not enough support for this but it, honestly even it's just like a one of like like this if you go um Oh, God. Flicker circle into this. Uh, uh, what is it called? Um, teleportation circle? Te teleportation circle into Invader Parasite. That's, yeah, that's <laughs> that pretty sounds nuts. kind of fun. It's pretty dumb. Well, keep that in mind. Let's imagine that somebody gives you an elephant. You cannot sell it. You cannot give it away. What do you do with it? Wow. That's a question. <laughs> I can't sell it. I did it. some research. I did some. I got some good questions lined up. Can't sell it. Can't give it away. Can I? Oh, no, yeah. I guess that's giving it away. Can I trade it away? Like, can I barter with somebody? Uh, this sounds an awful lot like selling. I don't know, giving. man. I think it's a loophole. You got to keep it. You got to keep the elephant. Okay. I suppose I'd probably not get a car. Like, I'd just get rid of my any vehicles I have and I would use that. I'd probably have to hire somebody to take care of, like, fecal matter and such. I'm not I'm not about that life. But I live in a city like a, a very dense city. So I don't know how well I'd be able to store it or like where I would put it. And mm. I feel like a lot of the cool creative things you can do with an elephant just don't really work in a city environment or an urban environment. Well, now it also depends on what kind of elephant we're talking about. I didn't specify, but we That's could true. be dealing with like a pygmy elephant or we could be dealing with one of the, um, what are the Lord of the Rings ones called? So I've been, I've been marathoning Lord of the Rings over the last couple of days. And so my uh -huh. brain immediately went to an Oliphant. Yeah, yeah. That is an option. 
Uh, I'll give you your pick of an elephant or a pygmy elephant. So a pygmy elephant. Uh, well, it looks like they can still grow to be around nine feet. So <laughs> not that pygmy. Pygmy is a relative term. Yeah. Okay. So then, I mean, I would I would pick a pygmy elephant, I guess, if I were to pick an elephant with any hopes of being able to keep it. And, and I could still ride that around and it would be kind of fun, I guess. Probably would be able to get some cool gigs doing like birthday parties for kids, you know, do something with that, I guess. I don't really know what I would do with an elephant, though, outside of using it for for transportation in the city. I, I really don't know. I, I count that as a good answer. I'm picturing just like a, a big enough size elephant just walking over traffic. That sounds yeah. pretty convenient. Yeah, that would be really good. If there was one state that you could just erase from the map, it's just gone. Wow. What state is it? And what? No, no harm befalls the people in the state. It's just, it's just historically, it just didn't never exist. That one state just wiped out forever. I mean, I think it'd probably have to be Florida. There's just too much <laughs> wackiness that comes out of that state. Yeah, it's kind of a wild card place. Plus, I think it'd be really interesting to see where all the snowbirds go if they don't have the option of going to Florida. Oh, yeah. Would they, would they fly further south? I guess just like kind of leave the country entirely. Maybe. It's funny that you say that because my next question ties directly into Florida. You are assigned to sell hot chocolate in the Florida summer. What's your plan? Okay, something of a loophole here. But Uh what I would do is take that hot chocolate, mix it in a blender with ice and some other like sugar and and syrup and stuff Uh, and make make a frozen hot chocolate and sell that. Oh, yeah, you know what? This actually gives me an idea. You go to the beach and then add in some like Kahlua or something too, and then that works boom. too. Yeah, yeah. Anything you involve some alcohol, that'll work. Uh, but I really think frozen hot chocolate would do well. And I th- guess that's technically a loophole, but you didn't specify that the hot chocolate had to be hot. I mean, at this point, hot chocolate okay, is part okay, of the Okay, okay, <laughs> That's true. I, I, I'm gonna have to start getting a little more uh, technical <laughs> with my questions here, aren't I? This one, I don't think you can find any loopholes in. What's in your fridge? What is in my fridge? Unfortunately, not as much as there should be. I've got a leftover steak in there, uncooked still, uh, from my dinner for my birthday. We've got two different types of non-milk milk, milk, um, almond and oat, I believe. Good stuff. We've got pickles because everybody needs pickles. and The dip of the milk. Naturally. What? And (laughs) (laughs) What'd you uh, say? (laughs) There's some potato salad in there. And a, a miscellaneous assortment of sauces and or dips, I think. Yeah, that's pretty that's solid like a, fridge. a rough estimate. I think we've got some like romaine lettuce and stuff in there too. But honestly, we need to go shopping. So there's not a lot in there. Fair enough. Who's your favorite co-host? Definitely Marshall Sutcliffe. 100%. <laughs> it's got to be Marshall Sutcliffe. Does he count as a co-host? Uh, I guess not. I mean, he was a guest. I, I guess that doesn't count. Well, but on a technicality, it would have to be you. I, I've never had another co-host, so I, I could say myself. Yes. I suppose I'm my own co-host. Oh my god, you found a goddamn loophole. All right, cut that. Uh, how, how about um best joke I've ever made? Ever made, dude? You make way too many jokes for me to store all of them. Yeah, that's this the episode. I, was I think. For. it is pretty good uh we're gonna take it back to a classic if you were a potato you know the rest everyone listening you know the rest how would you be prepared and served yeah so um, i'm a big fan of curly fries i think i think curly fries are a pleasure that is too good for this world and i i would love to be a good a good curly fry and you know with maybe some good good kind of dipping sauce i mean ketchup's good but like i think we could do better maybe some kind of aioli of some kind that's a pretty good option to me uh i had smashed potatoes for my uh, birthday dinner and for those that don't know what smashed potatoes are 
you essentially take baby potatoes and you parboil them and you smash them with a potato masher and they like break open, but you still have the skins involved and they're not like completely mashed. And then you throw them in the oven with like seasonings and stuff on and they get crispy, but they still kind of have a mashed potato consistency. They're really good. I'll be honest. When you told me earlier that you had smashed potatoes, I thought I just misheard you. And I thought you said mashed potatoes. <laughs> nope. Nope. Smashed potatoes. They're delicious. Yeah, no, that, that makes more sense. What is a birthday gift that you've always wanted but never received? Okay, so I'm really bad about gifts because I typically will buy everything that I want and or need prior to big events. I do this with Christmas all the time. So like Christmas will roll around and my parents or like loved ones will be like, hey, what do you want for Christmas? I'm like, man, I don't know. I just bought everything. But what is something I've always wanted and never received? I don't think I want things long enough to have always wanted the same thing. Uh, I definitely wanted a Black Lotus at some point. Never got one of those. Uh, yeah, I guess I guess that's probably it. I don't know. I, I, I don't really... I don't really ever want very much for my birthday. I, I feel weird like wanting things for my birthday. Uh, Mr. Humble over here. <laughs> I don't know why. It's like like I have no issues with like telling people I want things for other holidays. But for my birthday, I'm just like, it's just another day. I don't know. Birthdays are kind of weird. Why are you, you know? giving me something for being born? I, I just like uh, I didn't have anything to do with that. <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong there. Uh, I, I was going to like quickly scribble down whatever it is that, that you said, but <laughs> Black Lotus, uh, give me like 30 years. Yeah. Okay. I'll, on that one. I'll let you know. I, honestly, I think it'd be more likely that one of us would find a Black Lotus, right? Like if we, if true. we took on someone's old collection or if we're looking through and we'd happen to like stumble upon one, that's just the dream, right? Like you're looking through a collection and someone just has like five unsleeved dusty Lotuses, that kind of thing. Yeah, but I think I'd be really disappointed if that happened because I'd inevitably find one that would be in like really bad condition and wouldn't be worth anything or would be ver worth very little. Honestly, uh, a damaged Black Lotus is still, you know, <laughs> that's still a few rent payments. It's probably true. What's your favorite interview question? This one. Oh. <laughs> no, I don't know. I, I like I like questions that get kind of, I guess, detailed, like. Things that are, are different. I feel like there are a lot of interviews. And Marshall kind of said the same thing when he was on the show. Like a lot of interviews are very by the book or cookie cutter. And like people ask questions that you kind of expect to be asked, even if you're not told ahead of time, like you can kind of expect certain questions to be asked. And um, I like ones that don't necessarily do that because those like cookie cutter questions are things that people talk about constantly because they're on every interview. And interview questions that are not cookie cutter are unique and they make the interview unique and they make the experience unique. So, well, I, I try to stay pretty far away from cookie cutter questions. Here's one that I think doesn't come up very often. Uh, I've hidden a bomb in your apartment. You have 30 seconds to defuse it or I will activate this detonator. What's your plan? Okay. I'd probably. Why are you sitting there? Go. Throw it out the window. <laughs> Go. <laughs> yeah, this is a life chuck it out the window. question. <laughs> Uh, you're not you're not moving. You've got like Oh, you've seconds. actually done this. Well, I guess I'm done. I I guess I've wasted like 30 seconds already just babbling here. So All right. Well, uh it's lucky that it's your birthday. I'm, I'm going to defuse the bomb uh and I'll have your dog eat it or something. It's it's biodegradable. Um, have you that reminds me. Have you ever played Bombcore on the Jackbox party games? No, I have not. Ooh, that's a good one. You should do that sometime. It's it's one it's like a collaborative game where you have up to four people working to try to defuse bombs in this like office space that somehow manufactures bombs and things always go wrong with them nice. um and so uh yeah it, it's a fun game it gets really intense uh have you played job job by any chance i don't think so it is by far my new favorite jackbox game it's one where they send out like interview questions to everyone funnily enough interview questions they send out these kind of like generic corporate 
interview questions to everyone playing. You answer with whatever you want. And then they take the responses, shred them into individual letters, and then randomly assign all or individual words. And then randomly assign the individual words to different people. And then they ask you another series of interview questions, but you have to answer using these like shredded fragments of everyone else's responses. That's pretty uh, cool. So like punctuation, grammar, just out the window. And uh, hopefully people put funny stuff for the first responses. So you have good stuff to work with for the second. It is by far my favorite. Some of my friends and I have cried laughing doing this. Highly recommend. That sounds awesome. So if you were uh, stuck inside the art of any Magic the Gathering card, which one would you prefer? Interesting. Stuck in the art of any Magic card. Sphinx's Rev would be kind of cool to be stuck in because like, I could picture myself like on the back of the Sphinx and seeing whatever the Sphinx is seeing in terms of the revelation they're having mm-hmm. maybe. The art for... And the name is the name is escaping me but it was um i think it was a midnight hunt card that had uh it was it was the opposite of faithless looting oh faithful mending, the faithful blue mending. White one, right? yeah i would i would love to be in that that looked like a very peaceful scene um yeah. and was it was pretty cool those characters look like they'd be fun to hang with so i think those two are my top contenders at the moment yeah i was thinking maybe one of the nice uh like ravnica cityscapes uh because then i could just be like living a normal ravnica life uh, or maybe true. one of these uh these upcoming kamigawa ones look pretty sick life on on neo kamigawa seems pretty cool uh, i wouldn't mind it they got some cool tech there if you were shrunk down to the size of a pencil and put into a blender what would you do be blended i uh, i think is the only fair <laughs> well, you're, you're, you're about to be but what, what's your what's your escape route you jump onto the blade you know like the, mm-hmm. the top of the blade and then yeah. hang on for dear life because no matter like you can't get cut up if you're on top of the blades but then aren't you getting smashed? Like, wouldn't you act as the blade then? You'd be getting smashed. Oh, yeah. I mean, you'd probably uh, die just from, like, centripetal force, like, doing its thing, blood going yeah, all to your head yeah. and all that. Um, <laughs> but I think that's your safest bet or your your closest option, I guess. I don't know. I mean, maybe if I'm the size of a pencil, I can maybe stretch across and, like, reach the sides of the blender and so I can, oh, like, yeah. shimmy my way up and hold myself there for a bit. But I am not a very tall person, so I imagine I would not make a very tall pencil. But... You're saying I just am the size of a pencil, so I yeah. don't know, I'd have to go check if a pencil would fit in the blend. Like, I guess it depends on your blender size too. Yeah, that's true. Like a smaller, like little bullet one, a pencil could definitely like shimmy up the sides of that. Yeah. <clears throat> Here's a bit of a, a riddle, a puzzle for you. Oh boy. Why are manhole covers round? Is this is this actually a puzzle or is this a joke? There, there, no, there is an actual answer to this. Uh, another way of asking is why aren't they square? Doesn't it have something to do with the fact that like the round cover can't fit through the circle like bingo <laughs> size of the thing otherwise like square ones would just fall you you pass the interview yeah the square one you could just lift up turn on an angle and then fit through along like the the vertice from one corner to the opposite corner uh because the the side length would be less than that but circles don't have that problem uh, i guess yeah. a triangle would also work are there triangle shaped manhole covers i don't know what is something that you hate something that i hate stupidity And that sounds a little bit bigoted, but let me explain. I don't hate ignorance. Ignorance being the lack of knowledge. Like if somebody just doesn't know something, that's normal. I don't know plenty of things. I don't know what I don't know. And it's very, very normal. Everybody, everybody doesn't know things. What I mean when I say stupidity is actively avoiding learning. There are people out there who just refuse to learn things or refuse to accept that their opinion or understanding of something could be incorrect. And that is what I call stupidity. And I hate that. What is your biggest level up recently in Magic the Gathering? 
Honestly, I think it's we we talked about this in in an earlier episode this year, but like reviewing games after the fact and recognizing when a game went your way or didn't go your way because of luck Mm. and like how much skill actually went into it. Like one thing I've noticed that I don't tend to do very often, and you actually kind of gave me this level up when we were doing the decathlon finals stream, was that you very frequently... And I don't know if you were doing this just because I was on the stream with you and it was a stream, but I imagine you do this on a regular basis. You regularly call out cards that you think your opponents have. I often don't think about what my opponent could have unless I'm playing a control deck where that matters. And it should matter all the time. But when when I play a control deck, I typically play decks that care about like, okay, what are the cards that my opponent could have that are that I can't deal with because my deck is designed to deal with almost everything my opponent can throw at me. What are the few things that I can't deal with? I'm going to save my counter spells for those things. Mm -hmm. When I'm playing like a more mid range or aggressive deck, especially in limited, I typically will just play my cards almost like solitaire and using their board as, as information, but not really thinking about my opponent's hand. And when I, when we went through the decathlon finals, I was like, I need to be a lot better about this because not only, and, and part of it's knowing the format, like you just totally. know what cards are available and and can call them out. But yeah, you you have a good skill of being able to just be like, these are the two cards that they could have right here. And if they don't have those, I'm fine. If they do, here's how I play around either of those two. And I am not very good about that. So I don't even know if this is a level up necessarily, but it's something I'm working to level up. Well, thank you. I, I do consider myself an arena cube nerd. So I should hope that I, uh, I have everything down. And also at the time... We were piloting this disgusting, overpowered, mid-range value pile, Golos, nuts stuff. And there's only so many ways you can deal with that and, and deal with the kind of overwhelming advantage created by something, uh, a deck that, that's just so value-rich. Um, so it makes it makes uh, calling out the potential answers a little easier when you're going for such a niche uh, strategy. Well, and I, I find myself in positions sometimes where I... I will say, you know, I'll be declaring an attack and I'm like, look at their mana. There's probably a removal spell in this format at that mana slot that could deal with this, but I can't really think of any. I'm just going to attack. Mm-hmm. And then they play one. And I'm like, oh yeah, that that's a card. Uh, I should have been thinking about that one. And sometimes they're blowouts, sometimes they're not, but it's still something that I think if I got better at would, would shore up win percentage like a significant amount for me. I think I may have learned this myself because I'm a little overzealous in trying to end the game sometimes. I've realized that I'm I'm definitely more of the uh, the aggressor when I can be, and I prefer to kind of get things moving, get things along. I prefer to have a very proactive game plan rather than a, a reactive one. So a lot of the times I've gotten punished because I just haven't respected what my opponent could have. I'm the guy that attacks it to settle the wreckage every time. Like, and sometimes I, I mitigate my losses. It took me a long time to learn that. I, I, I got that one drilled into my head. Uh, when I have 10 creatures, I'm like, yeah, I should attack with just like seven creatures. And then I get settled. I'm like, okay, next time, maybe I should attack with just like six creatures. And then I get settled. I'm like, okay, maybe five creatures. And then, you know, try to sort out the math, figure out how to get lethal through. I think that's kind of forced me to, to do this the hard way. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. And then, you know, you get to five. You're like, okay, I'll attack with five creatures. And then they settle you. And then you're like, well, they, they can't always have settle. I can keep attacking <laughs> yeah. with five creatures. Yeah, yeah. At some point, logic does take over. Say I give you a $100 bill. What do you do with it? Right now, it would be buy new studio monitors for my office. I've been wanting to get those for a little while. And the pair that I'm looking at are like 90 bucks. So I... Buy those and pocket 10 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty convenient. Uh, I, I've been thinking about upgrading my, uh, my my sound system here too a little bit. I currently have these just very, very cheap like Walmart monitors. And they work like uh, the, the audio isn't awful. But 
for, for the amount of time I spend in front of my my PC, I think I probably should upgrade my system a little bit. Yeah, well, the ones the speakers that I have are actually speakers that I purchased with my first desktop build when I, which I did when I was thirteen, and I've oh. had these speakers since then, so they are they are due for an upgrade. Yeah, what what, what brand are those? They've got to be good if they've been this good this long. Logitech's, yeah, and they've gone through moving to college, moving two different from two different dorms into two different apartments. They've been moved wow. around a lot, so they they're uh they're trusty, but they are not of the utmost quality at this point. So yeah, ready to retire them. Good on you, Logitech. We are not sponsored by Logitech. Logitech, if you'd like to sponsor us, <laughs> give me a call. <laughs> Down to our last question here, actually, if you could give a piece of advice to yourself starting out as a content creator. What would it be? Just do it. There's a lot of, I think, maybe imposter syndrome, a lot of worry about like, will people like this? Am I even going, is anybody even going to listen to it or read it or watch it depending on the type of content? Content creation is very much a game of you learn by doing, not by learning or like reading or whatever. Like you have to just get out there and do it if you want to figure out how to do it well and how to find an audience and and build a, an audience and all that kind of stuff. And if you never do it, you're not going to get any of that anyway. So just just hit publish whatever it is that you're trying to build, whether it's written content or video content or audio content or any of that kind of stuff. Just press publish and listen to for feedback. Um, that's one of the things I think we've been really kind of looking to, especially coming into 2022 for this show, is trying to get more feedback and and kind of integrate more feedback to the show uh, more regularly because that's the way things improve and that's how you learn. Like if you, especially from a podcast perspective, I mean, if you're publishing on like YouTube or Twitter or maybe TikTok, I don't really use TikTok, so I'm not sure how that works, but you at least have like a comment section where people can like give you feedback on the thing right away. With us, if we don't, we have a, we have like a feedback channel in our discord, but if we don't explicitly search for feedback from people, it can be really hard to get it. So um, definitely that would be the other aspect I would say just publish and listen to your audience. Yeah, absolutely. And that, that's kind of an invitation for those listening. Uh, we really appreciate those that, 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 that tune into us every week. And, uh, you know, it, it means so much more than I think we could properly describe. And I think we have kind of followed that philosophy of let's just, we're, we're doing it regardless of, you know, what the drives or, or, uh, I don't know, the content creation metas might be. I think we're, we're, we're doing our best to just keep doing what we want to do. And we're having fun, you know? <laughs> well, I mean, that's the, that's the important the part, too. Part. A lot of people, I think, get into content creation with the... You know, and, and this is something very not draft chaff related or even magic related, but um, I have been working to kind of build a personal brand outside of what we do with this show. Yeah. And one of the things that I've I've been trying to work through myself, and I've seen a lot of people talk about on like Twitter and stuff, is find out your why like figure out what your why is and basically that's because if your why is just money you will never do this long enough to actually make any money Mm -hmm. and so you need a why that is more intrinsic than that and something that that will keep you going when things get tough and money generally isn't strong enough to do that or the promise of money generally isn't strong strong enough to do that so yeah figure out your why just press publish and listen to your audience totally if if we had a why for this show, I don't I don't know. Uh, I, at least personally, I'd say probably something along the lines of like uh, we have fun here. You know? Right. No, and that's that's exactly what it was because you know when we first when we first launched the show, it was like, hey, we like to talk about magic on a regular basis. Like, why don't we just post our conversations and see if anybody else gets anything out of it? I had been I don't know if I ever even told you this. I had been thinking through doing this show for a little while, like maybe a month or two before I actually 
brought it up to you. Mm -hmm. And that was because I was getting stuck in the mindset of I'm not an expert. I've never been to a pro tour. I don't top like hit top finishes in like big tournaments or anything. Why would anybody want to hear from me? And Mm -hmm. podcasts require a little bit of money to get started. I mean, like hosting isn't free and stuff, but they're really not expensive. So I don't know. I mean, um, that was kind of that was kind of the reason why it took me a little bit longer to actually start doing it. But when I was thinking about it, I was just like, at the end of the day, who cares if anybody listens? Like you might just publish into the void for a long time, Mm -hmm. but then nobody's going to bash you for it because nobody knows it's there anyway. So (laughs) no one's there to roast you. There's literally no downside. Yeah, that's true. I'm I'm honestly very thankful that we have uh, a community that uh, can roast us should they choose. <laughs> that's true. And also, uh, of course, people want to listen to you. Like you know your stuff, and you're a cool dude. So I think that's attracted a uh, a like minded, cool audience that also knows their stuff. Thanks. Anyway, uh, happy birthday to you, Zach. I hope you've enjoyed this uh, this semi roast. Not not too much of a roast. But, you were uh, kind. You were kind. Yeah. Uh, only the occasional roast was was roasted. Anyway, if you want to come say happy birthday to Zach yourself, you can do that in the Discord. Also, if you're not in the Discord already, just join it. It's a good uh, good time. We we have fun there too. And people are always posting good stuff. Also, if you want to play modern with us, it sounds like we might jam some games. Maybe sometime this weekend. If I'm snowed in, I was originally going to go down to South Jersey this weekend, but. It's looking like, uh, I don't know, I'll let my brother handle my the shoveling down there. <laughs> I think I'm going to stay up here and get snowed in. Uh, in which case, I'll be around to jam some modern this weekend. So if you're listening, if it's Saturday, uh, whatever the date is, uh, what like 1-29 or 1-30, let's jam some modern. Why not? Uh, you can also support us on Patreon if, if you so choose. And we appreciate all those that do already. Uh, hit us up at, uh, you know, the socials, all that stuff. Zach usually does this part. What are our socials? Uh, you can find us on Twitter by finding Ben at Betafish1. You can find myself at Zach E. Hackett and the show directly at DraftChaffPod. That'll do it for us this week and uh, see you next week. We're getting into some some big Kamigawa stuff. Uh, it, it's coming up. Get excited. So speaking of Kamigawa stuff, there have been some, some leaks, uh, some nonsensical Again. leaks. People... people <laughs> People translating Phyrexian to try to uncover these leaks. Yeah. Uh, that's, you know, that that's some pretty wild stuff. But I'm going to be real curious to see uh, how close they got. Oh, yeah. I, I hope it's close. If you can be the person that said, I translated from Phyrexian within like an hour of a leak, that that's kind of cool. Leaks overall, not the coolest, but they exist. And, you know, they're there. Uh, not to be encouraged, but uh, to be... You know, acknowledged. Uh, I thought it'd be cool if we chatted about one card that actually was officially released, and that's Satoru Umezawa, uh, part of the Umezawa legacy. Uh, costs one blue black. It's a two four human ninja with some awesome art in all the iterations we've seen. There's three different versions of this card. Uh, the the original has these really cool like tattoo elementals, kind of like coming off of his body. Uh, I don't know what's going on there, but it's sweet. Uh, the second one, the kind of uh, I think this they're calling it like the ninja frame. Um, it's it's kind of this this cool swirly blue effect. It, it looks neat. I think my personal favorite is the full art borderless Satoru Umazawa, which is this gorgeous like just super cool ninja looking thing. I like the the white background, even though it's a blue black card. Like just a, a really really sick design. The card itself says, whenever you activate a ninjutsu ability, look at the top three cards of your library, 
Put one of them into your hand and the rest on the bottom of your library in any order. This ability triggers only once each turn. And then it has a funny little line of text. Each creature card in your hand has ninjutsu, two blue, black. Yeah, so, I mean, uh, that's like a nice <laughs> little package, right? It's already well above on stats. At a, well, I guess it's not, not technically above. It's pretty much on par for stats, but three mm-hmm. mana, two, four is a solid blocker. Um, it's giving all your stuff ninjutsu, and so it enables its own ability. Um, you don't have to, like, if you were trying to draft this, you can just draft this and not worry about, like, oh, how many ninjutsu cards do I have? Like, it's just yeah. going to do its thing anyway. And then it's got a nice little, like, anticipate thing going on. So, I love it. Yeah. Uh, just for those that don't know, ninjutsu, uh, it's an activated ability. Uh, it says whatever the cost is. And then the text reads, return an unblocked attacker you control to your hands to put this card onto the battlefield from your hand, tapped and attacking. So... Let, let me see if I've got this right. You could attack with uh, with Satoru himself, right? And then should he get in and be unblocked? Uh, and also, hold on. So this could be an unblocked attacker. So you could do this before blocks are declared, right? Or or ha- have... Is I that don't how that works? remember how the ruling works on that. I would need to look up the, the actual rules text for it. Yeah, I haven't really gotten much experience with ninjutsu. I don't know if you have to have it be like formally unblocked and about to connect, or if you can do this while it is still unblocked, like having just entered combat and not yet moved to blockers phase. Um, is it... Um, yeah, I, I actually don't know how that works. Um, if you know how I, it works, like, comment, and subscribe. Just go ahead and tell us in the Discord, because uh, honestly... We we could use a refresher. We didn't play back when uh when, when original Kamigawa was a thing. Yeah, I was just reading. I, I don't see anything that says uh whether it can be done prior to blocks or not. So, so I, I would assume it can be done either. But let let me just double check here. This means you could attack ah, the Toru Mizawa, right? I found it. Oh, yep. Here's the rulings. The ninjutsu ability can be activated during the declare blockers combat damage or end of combat steps if you have an unblocked attacking creature. So you can't do it before declare blocks. Interesting. Oh, but you could do it at end of combat. Yeah. So you could do like a... I feel like there's probably some weird like first strike stuff you could do in here too because you could do it during the damage phase, right? You can do it during damage. Yeah. Interesting. So you could have like a first... Well... Hold on, it has to be unblocked. I don't know, I don't know. There's, if it was unblocked, you could have a first strike attacker do its damage and then use this to ninjutsu something else in and then bounce and your first striker back damage. and then it would do its regular, kind of like pseudo double strike. I wonder how difficult doing lines like that will be in arena though. You probably will have to have full control oh. to do it anywhere outside of like the declare blocker step or something, but who knows? I don't think we've seen any ninjutsu stuff in arena even through like the cube or any of that kind of stuff so i don't think so yeah now what i'm thinking is can you use this to just put an ulamog into play on turn four or like an emrakul or something oh god like uh, it's every card every yeah. creature in your hand yeah, has it right totally could i don't know how efficient that is because it wouldn't get the attacking triggers but like i don't you know still let's, get the ETB trigger. I think. Yeah, it, yeah. Let's let Saffron Olive handle this one. <laughs> I feel like there's <laughs> going to be some nonsense brewing. Uh, but anyway, speaking of um, 
uh, of uh, dark, shadowy attackers. Uh, I wanted to allow Zach one one final flex here, uh, and I, I wanted to give you the quick opportunity. Uh, what one last kind of interview question? Uh, how many lines do you know from the Dark Knight? All of them. <laughs> Can you offer a bit of evidence of that? Oh God, I I'm actually really bad at quoting it without the movie playing. I can quote it in time with the film, but for some, I guess the way that I've stored the memory of it all has to do with like the scene that it's in, as well as like other sounds going on in the scene. So it's that's fair. It can be difficult for me to remember. I I know the first line is three of a kind, so we'll go. We'll I'll leave that as as evidence. Do you have a favorite line? Uh, I mean, why so serious is a classic. Yeah. Um, but my favorite scene in the whole film is uh, the scene where um, uh, Gordon, Commissioner, well, I guess he isn't Commissioner yet. Gordon just comes back, like just r- reveals that he wasn't actually murdered and he's mm. back and they caught the Joker and he's he's in captivity or in uh, incarcerated or whatever. And then he goes home to see his family. He gets a call that he has to come back, comes back in. Um, at that point, he's been promoted and um, that scene, the scene that I'm talking about in particular starts with the Joker. Gordon walks into the, the interrogation room. The Joker says, evening, commissioner. And it goes from there. And that whole scene is just mind-blowing to me. I absolutely love Heath Ledger's performance in that scene. I got to rewatch that movie. It's been a long time since I've seen it. I typically <laughs> watch it once a year, on, and that, that time is on my birthday. But this year, I saw Spider-Man instead. Uh, that's fair. Actually, this just gave me a weird flashback. I, I remember the very first time I saw The Dark Knight, uh, and it was at like a sleepover somewhere. Um, and I, I distinctly remember like being terrified. I, it was right when I first came out, and I was like, wow, that was a scary movie. That was good, but terrifying. The Joker is an objectively terrifying character. And driving back uh, from the sleepover, I think my parents put me up. I remember it, this was in Marmora. Uh, there was someone in a Joker outfit standing on the street holding a sign, like advertising for something. And I thought it was the most terrifying thing I'd ever seen. It's shocked that I didn't immediately develop a clown phobia, right? <laughs> like, wow, yeah. what are the odds? <laughs>